Hello, my name is Ananda Elise Reeves, your host today with co-host Robert Schramm on Future Now Radio. And our special guest today is Colin Turner from Ireland. At Future Now Radio, we invite active visionaries that are in the process of creating a collaborative world radio platform to explore concepts and understandings around new systems of sustainability and post-scarcity beyond the capitalist framework of today. Future Now Radio is a station bypassing the mainstream media by offering programs and inspiring original and regenerating perspectives to address world problems. We have with us today co-host Robert Schramm. Go ahead, Robert. Thanks, Ananda. Colin Turner is a writer, a musician, and social activist from Dublin, Essex Island. Already a well-known blogger and activist, Colin is also founder of the popular initiative The Free World Charter an initiative which calls for a radical redesign of our culture and shift in basic human priorities. He has also founded a number of other popular online altruistic initiatives, most notably HonorPay, a virtual award and appreciation network, and Freeworlder, a social network and forum for followers of the open economy idea, and from where he is also writes blogs for. Colin has ideas for an open access economy, and they are the main subject of his writing and activism. But more about that later on. Colin, I just, as a friend, we met about, I think, eight years ago. And that was yes, the time sorry. just before I, I, I flew to you to Ireland, and you took me uh, in your home for five days, and we explored because we were talking about starting up a movement of movements, United Earth, etc., And it was great to, yeah, to shape this with you. And I sort of felt intuitively attracted to you. So it already showed how important it is when you start something and initiate something, you inspire others. So my question is, you were one of the first change makers I know in the field and I've met since uh, 2010. What have made you decide to become an activist and to fully focus on your calling full time? <laughs> Hi, well, thanks for that, Robert. It's lovely to see you again. Uh, yes, I remember meeting you very well um, eight years ago or so. That we had a very enjoyable stay at your house in Rotterdam. Thank you for that. And Ananda, it's uh, lovely to meet you finally. Um, we've uh, spoken over and back a few times on Facebook. So thanks both for you guys for having me on. And uh, most especially, uh, congratulations on this Future Now radio initiative. I think something like this that's current and uh, topical and non-mainstream is really, really important. Something that uh, we don't have enough of. And I think you guys are really filling a much needed niche here with this. So uh, congratulations. and. Long may it continue. Yes, absolutely. Um, what made me decide to be an activist? Well, I suppose, like anyone else who's kind of come to this ideas, is that you, you, um, you undergo a kind of a logical process of some kind, or maybe some call it like going down the rabbit hole or something like that. Is uh, something happens in your life that that causes you to stop and consider and uh, weigh up your life. Um, for me, that was probably, well, something that culminated over many years. I mean, I originally started my adult life as a musician and uh, always found it, uh, like any musician, found it very difficult to make that, to make money from that. It's a very difficult uh, business to be in, of course. 
So there was always that underlying feeling of kind of maybe slight injustice, economic injustice on my part for the the what I had spent the greater part of my youth basically learning was music and then realizing that it was very difficult to make money from that. Whereas seeing my, all my friends who were um, much less skilled, who were very easily making money and this sort of stuff. So there was always uh, the sense of that your your work or your output does not always equal your reward in this society. I've, I've always felt that. And um, I suppose that's sort of an underlying thing that had always been in the back of my mind. Um, around 2008, I, I had a, a quite a successful business. Yeah, I eventually uh, settled into a, a quite a good business in around 2000. And I sold that business in 2008. And I was, I was uh, left in a very good position where I had basically I had made quite some money from it. And I was able to put all this money in the bank and basically just relax and sit and think about my life for a while. Where most people don't have that opportunity. So I was very grateful to have that. And um, so this kind of it kind of gave me like two or three years basically out of just dropping out of society or not dropping out, but, you know, just of reflecting on the, not being in part of the daily grind and being able to um, reflect on, on life's uh, other, other issues. And uh, yeah, so of course I came um, of the internet was really uh, in the ascendancy then and social media and stuff and lots of these ideas like the Venus Project and the Zeitgeist Movement really riding the, the crest of the wave of this kind of of this rise of social media, all this alternate media and alternate ways of thinking were actually coming to the fore. So, um, yeah, I pretty much got on board with all that sort of stuff. I, I was looking at all the conspiracies and the 9-11 inside job and all this sort of stuff that was floating around out there at the time. And at the end of all that, I think it might have been one of the zeitgeist uh, movies from Peter Joseph that sort of arrived to the point that kind of, well, this is, everything is kind of systemic based on sort of flawed values in our society or a different, or a flawed system in our society, which incentivizes profit over everything else, which is really driving most of our bad decisions in terms of our society. So that sort of got me onto that. And then I was looking at the Venus Project and I'm sure most people have done this uh, same journey and uh, yeah and then realizing that uh, yes a, a better world is possible beyond the our normal ways of thinking and um, well we can go from there but uh, I suppose to answer your question there was yeah there's like a logical process you go through this sort of journey in your mind and suddenly you reach a point where there's no way back they kind of you suddenly realize that this is definitely possible, this is definitely better, and I can't just forget about this and go back to the old way. So in, in, a, in that way, it's not, it's, it's, you know, you almost don't, don't have a choice in that way. So um, yeah, that was, I suppose, once I arrived to that sort of place, there was no going back, and uh, here I am, I'm still at it. Great. There's one thing that I thought was very interesting uh, after we first met, uh, in 2013, there was one project that you were doing, and that was about a free world tour around the world. And as I recall it, this tour was to showcase living in a world without the use of money. Now, I feel that was a very brave undertaking at the time. Can you please share your experiences about this tour and why did you initiate this? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, again, it's, it's going back to my, what I previously said there, that you you arrive at a sort of logical crossroads and there's no going back. 
So it's it kind of uh, because I had time on my hands and I had a little bit of uh, economic security, I suppose. I mean, uh, I was able to say, well, okay, well, I can do something a bit more risky now. And of course, one of the I things, one of the things foremost on my mind was the idea of living with without money and is it possible to create a world without money? And uh, so the idea was born to um, to go traveling uh, in 2013, I think it was. And we had a uh, like a map called the Free World or Map, and we got people to basically to offer accommodation and help to us, myself and my girlfriend at the time we were traveling then. And um, yes, we got massive amounts of offers of help, amazing amounts of offers of help from people all over Europe and beyond. Um, so we set out, uh, I think, in July, the end of July, two thousand thirteen. And we traveled up and, up and down Ireland, and then we went to UK, we went the full width of UK, and then down to, got the ferry to the continent, and we were around France and Belgium, and Holland, of course, and Germany, and Switzerland, and Italy. And we, we ended up in Venice, and we decided to take a, a time out at that time. Because obviously Venice was a very nice, tempting place just to stop and put yes. your feet up for a while. So that was good. That was that was our first time we took the credit card out and said, okay, let's uh, just relax and enjoy life for a while. But we had a really, really nice time. We met so many amazing people, people who are made good friends with and still have friends with today. And uh, people who are really um, passionate activists as well. And um, yeah, so that that entire journey yeah, yeah we sorry yeah, we took time at venice and then we went to iceland and we spent maybe two months or something like that in in iceland around reykjavik and egilstadir uh, and a couple of other places uh, we were working on an organic farm at one point and where was that that way uh, yeah that was pretty much it we um we had sort of exhausted our uh I suppose our physical and mental resources at that time. Um, while it was really enjoyable doing this, and it was it was really an amazing way to prove the point. It was also actually exhausting. We were physically and mentally exhausted from just the constant traveling and um, you know not having anywhere to um, relax and sit down. You know, and just put your feet up. Every I mean, it was fantastic. We had everywhere we went, we had great hosts and they're really nice people, but. The, the reality was for us that we were always exhausted by the time we arrived at, with, at the host's house. And um, of course, the host was very excited to see us and where they wanted to, um, to have dinner or to go out and to do things, you know. And uh, So, yeah, I mean, we did the best we could. But in, in the end, we just we pretty much just, you know, we maxed out really at, at the end. And we said, but we did quite well. We did it for about three months. Our initial idea was to travel around the world, yeah. And we did, we had pledges from people all over America and Australia and Canada and stuff like that. So, but it just wasn't to be, you know, it, it, it couldn't, it's, it, um, even though we proved the point, I think that there was enough good in the world to actually help and support you in that kind of endeavor. Um, the reality was that it was really quite exhausting, but uh, at least we did prove the point. Yeah, so. Um... Okay. Thank you for sharing that journey. It seems phenomenal, but really the bottom line is when you take away the money problem, there's just so much freedom. And you wrote a book called F-Day, 
and F Day stands for Freedom Day. It's a fictitious book about a country, namely Iceland, uh, who suddenly lost their economy. And in your book, you tell the story about how a country reinvents itself into a new economy, a resource-based economy. And the fun thing about the book is that you'd posted a clock on the internet. And actually, that's actually on the internet. You can find it at f-day.org. And it counts down to the time when we actually have a Freedom Day. And the whole time the reader is reading the book, you're wondering, are they really going to get to the Freedom Day? Are they going to get to the day when we actually have no more money in the world? And for me, the book was very, very thrilling. It was, it's a great call. It's a great book for people just starting to imagine the possibilities that maybe we could do this. And I, I just so enjoyed your book so much. As a matter of fact, it's a funny story, but I happened to have your book with me today uh, as I was, um, I, was, I was writing in uh, public transportation. And, um, and some, we were talking about this radio station Future Now Radio, and that we were interviewing you today, and I happened to pull your book out. <laughs> well, that was kind of interesting, but I was really thrilled to read your book about future, about the F-Day book. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about what went into that thought? How did that concept get get uh, generated? How did you create that idea? Okay, um, yeah, fantastic. I, I have to say that actually writing the book was actually a thrilling experience as well and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see that that's uh, come across to most people who've read it you know I have a, like a really really positive responses from people fr about that book um, I, I think I've yet to receive any sort of negative things about it so that's good but it's um, yeah it was really a thrilling book to write principally for the reason that it was it was putting me on um, on a journey as well because I didn't necessarily know how the book was going to unfold when I began it. Um, I started off with the clock idea. Um, when, it, when, the, when I did the Free World Charter in 2011, I had this idea that um, it would be linked to a clock and that every time somebody would uh, sign the charter, then the clock would tick off a little few seconds or something like that. That was, that was the idea. Uh, but I, didn't, I never actually got around to doing that. But that's, that, that's, that was kind of the the seed of the idea of having this countdown clock. So I, I created that countdown clock, the, the F-Day one that you mentioned. Yeah. And yeah, so it, of course, uh, it's one thing led to another and the, the idea came to, okay, let's make this into a book and let's, let's say, right, the, let's start from where we are today and let's try and write the journey from here to F-Day itself. And um, you might be familiar with the book Contact or by Carl Sagan. Uh, which was a brilliant movie in 1999 or something like that. That was, um, it was a kind of a, a very similar sort of structure story to the F-Day book. It was, I, I loved that movie. And I think it's very similar to F-Day in that Carl Sagan begins with the idea. It's like, like we are, we have a SETI program now today, but what happened if actually we did make contact and we did hear from people. And so his, his book Contact is about writing about you know, speculating how that would all unfold, how that would happen. And I think maybe that was the inspiration for me for F-Day to say, well, uh, let's write about that. It, it is successful. It does happen. And let's write about how it happens. So that was the idea then. And uh, the clock sort of fitted nicely into that idea. And the, yeah, the actual process of writing it itself was a, fa a fascinating one for me because as I said, I didn't really have all the answers going into the book. And 
I kind of in I deliberately put obstacles in my own way in the book, you know, to make it make things difficult and to to put in the hard questions that needed to be answered and to find answers for them. Because of course you have to remember it's a it's a work of fiction. So you're creating this completely fictional reality. And uh, so I, the author, get to say, well, okay, what are the obstacles? What are the challenges? And then what are the answers uh, to those challenges and those obstacles? So that was um, really, really a good thought experiment, I suppose, in terms of me. And it's, it helped me so much to actually improve my own ideas and thinking about this whole moneyless world idea. And one of the reasons that I sort of, I lost confidence in groups like the Venus Project, for example, is because that they, they're always discussing technology and um, systemic change, which is one of the things that I found during the process of writing the book, I found that that, that kind of approach was limiting, the resource-based economy approach was a little bit too limiting because it didn't, it didn't allow for the variation of, of people, I suppose and the randomness of, of the world, I suppose, for want of a, of a better world. So I think that like the Venus Project, for example, creates a very nice, it sort of um, proposes a very nice kind of template kind of society. But I think from my, from my own thinking, I think that that's not as useful as is trying to create, uh, change people on an individual level. Uh, that was why we sort of I, I diverged from using the phrase resource-based economy and changed it to open access economy because I think that the, the moneyless world really is based on, on our actions, our individual actions, our own personal priorities and our own personal outlook of the world. And I think that you can do so much with a system, but the system, you have to eventually someday concede that the system is us. It's, it's, it's just the collected us. You know, there is no there's, no, there's no one pushing buttons there. There's no one driving the bus. There's no, there's no hidden agenda. There's no, um, there's no overarching method of actually changing society. You know, it's just us. It's just the way we operate. And this assist, the system is basically a reflection of us, you know? So, yeah, I mean, with the FDA book, it was, um, like I say, a really, it was a fascinating journey because I had to put in those obstacles to try, I had to make the story believable, and I had to answer those challenges as well. And uh, well, I don't know how effective I have been. Of course, it's. Uh, I'm not saying that it's going to unfold or anything like that, but I just it's just one possible example of how it could unfold. So uh, yeah, really, it was an amazing thought, exper thought experiment actually writing the book. So I'm very very happy with that. Did you find the response from the book? being that once people read the book, their imaginations began to expand? Um, I don't know. I did, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely inspired a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, the, the only thing I have really to go back, go on in terms of feedback is, I suppose, from uh, people who left reviews on Amazon or the, the few people who have mentioned it to me privately. But the, the, the response I've had is like overwhelmingly positive like I mean really really positive and it's it's surprised me I suppose more so than uh, than I would have thought 
yeah, people have felt inspired by it. Um, I have, I have, I have like several people said that they were really emotional reading the book, and it was a really emotional experience, and they actually had to read it two or three times. And that's that's amazing to hear that. It's really, really, um, you know, it's such a it's so um, flattering. I suppose it's so to to think that something that was kind of like a thought experiment to me, and I think is kind of maybe imperfect, but is kind of perfectly imperfect, if you know what I mean. So it's just to see that it's actually touched people in that way has been really, really um, humbling experience really for me. So I'm, I'm very happy with that. Right. Well, so do you think that at some point you might make a movie out of the book? Oh, yeah. As, as I don't think it's happening. It's on the way. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. I'm, yeah. yeah, yeah um, well, I'm actually, I'm, I've teamed up with a guy who's in the, the movie business uh, in Reno in the States. And he's co-writing the screenplay with me. Oh. And we are we are about twenty five percent in. We're twenty five percent done on the on the screenplay. We've written like the first thirty minutes of the movie. It's going to be about two hours. So it's I don't know what to say. It's 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 an incredible experience writing this. It's uh, I don't know if I would define it as some kind of a spiritual divine moment or something for me. But it's it's very strange that. Um, I've I started writing this screenplay. I've, I'm I'm writing it principally because I'm obviously the main author, and the the other guy is going is is helping out with the sort of tidying up details and stuff. But I found that it's it's extraordinarily easy for me to do this, and it's it's coming out really really well. And it's also it's it's becoming a, a huge improvement even on the book. So it's um, I don't know it's it's. It's a fascinating experience. I, I'm, I'm really, I'm quite almost emotional about it as well. It's, uh, I feel like, uh, I don't know, I, I, this, this sounds awful, but I feel like you're touching the hand of God a little bit. You know, I just feel like that, that it's when I'm writing this, it's like something is, is coming through me or this, this is something bigger than I am. Uh, the, guy, the, um, the guy, Chris, who's helping me out, he's, he's really, really so, he's so pumped about this as well. You know, he's got loads of really good contacts it's also it's also a really good time for this movie, you know, in terms of the the what's going on in Hollywood now and what's going on in the in the world. There's huge pushes for this kind of thing, and people even like influential, even like A-list actors and directors and stuff. These guys are, everyone knows kind of that some kind of change is coming. That there's there's this sort of spiritual development of some kind. And it just looks, I don't know, it looks like all the, everything is possibly lined up for this to really happen, you know? Obviously, writing the script is one thing, and then we got to go and, you know, sell the script, and we got to get finance and all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it's, it's early days, but perhaps it really, really excited, really, really secretly excited about it. <laughs> so don't you think that it's just time that these progressive ideas come forth and make themselves visible? Yep, yeah, absolutely. And it is, and they are, they are coming out, they are being visible. And I'm sure if you're, you've been working in this space, like I have, Ananda, you'll know that it's not always easy. You know that there's, there's often resistance from people, you know, that, uh, you know, we tend to sort of, we sort of find people on social media that are, agree with us, but then we can't get our family and friends to agree with us, that kind of thing. So it's difficult. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's the real challenge here is actually to say, well, look, if this is such a good idea, then why can't we, why can't we convince everybody it is? And that's the question we need to 
ask ourselves is what can we do to improve what we're doing to get the word across better? And I mean, I've, I've learned so much in that department, you know, I've, worked, I've even learned that there's, you know, it, there's, some, there's some words that you can't even use because they're going to just present negative barriers for, with people, you know? Even if you say, like, if you said you're anti-capitalist, this is like, it creates a negative image in people that it's like they, they're, they're putting you, brandishing you as sort of rioting anarchists or throwing, you know, uh, bombs at police and stuff like that. So language is really, really, really important. And uh, that's one thing I've learned, I suppose, from writing and from, from doing all this stuff that I, that, that I do on, on the internet and blogging is that the language is really, really important. And we have to choose our words carefully because it's so easy to alienate people just with one word, you know, and uh, you, lose, you lose people, you know. So that's why I'm always trying to refine the language, trying to say, okay, what's the, what's the, uh, what's the, the best language I can use that puts the point across? Like if you say to people, okay, let's have a moneyless world, most people would automatically think that's just crazy, you know, it's crazy. But, but, but if you say to people, let's have a world where, where there's lots of, lots of sharing and cooperation, and most people will say, yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's, that's a good idea. You know, I mean, we're, we all kind of have this inbuilt sense that sharing and cooperation are good things, they're all positive things. I think, I think no one almost disagrees with that, unless the real hardened sociopaths. But I think really most people, even from, from the poor cotton farmer or whatever to the, I don't know, to the billionaire, they still, we still have that, that knowledge that sharing and cooperation are good things. And, and we generally, we do that, you know, and this is why, uh, you know, even billionaires or lots of them are becoming much more philanthropic now because they know it's good to give back. They don't have to do that. You know, they, so they're doing, they're expressing the same thing in that way, you know, whether they give it like a billion dollars or something or what are supporting a local charity. It's all expressing that same need that, that sharing and cooperation is something that we know is good to do, but package the same thing and say, okay, let's have a moneyless world. And suddenly it's no one's interested, you know, but you're talking about the same thing. So that's why we have to be careful with the language that we're using, you know, and I'm, I'm more and more careful these days, even than I was starting. Yeah. Yeah, great points. We can talk about the, you know, the funding part or the philanthropists a little bit later on. Colin, you are very active and you, you're working on several projects. You are, the, your current project is uh, that you're, you founded Share Bay. I would love to hear a little bit more about it. But you also created Life Games and there is honor pay is it there's so much but maybe you can share a little bit about that. yeah uh, yeah briefly honor pay is uh, it's basically it's a very simple awards network if you want to show appreciation for someone uh, you can go on to honor pay and uh, type in their name if they're there that's great you can send them a, this honor you're only, you're only allowed award one honor per week so it kind of gives it a sort of a sense of value it's not like you can just keep sending out millions and millions and millions but you're limited to only one a week so that gives it a, a sort of a, a kind of a higher value if the person you're if the person isn't on honor pay you can create a profile for them anyway and you can you can honor them that way share bay is yeah that's the, that's the main one i'm really working on at the moment maybe i'll talk about that a little bit at length after the life games project is it's kind of a closed project now really it was something that we were working on for couple of years 
uh, myself and my wife and uh, two other girls were helping us. And what we did was we created this um, set of games, um, sort of indoor, outdoor games for kids, groups of kids, from like um, five kids up to 20 kids. And they were sort of uh, just, uh, just self-discovery games, I suppose the best way to describe it. Games that would like teach things, teach values like, or foment values like cooperation and compassion and empathy and good communication skills and uh, uh, role playing, this kind of stuff. Um, that was that was intended. We created like this uh, collection of games. We put it into an app, and we we made a book. And the intention was that we were going to basically sell this to schools. So we created this big program, and uh, we did a big promotional campaign. And uh, we went down to a school, and we filmed a video, and it was really good. Yeah, we had funding for this. We we were uh, crowdfunding to to do all this. So we had uh, money in place to make the video, to make the product, and to promote it. And uh, we did that, and we, we spent a lot of money on it. Unfortunately, we just it just didn't get this, this sort of uh, response that we had hoped from the teaching community. Um, despite like spending like massive resources, basically putting out the, the product out there, we were just getting this wall wall of negativity. And of course, there was it was also complicated by. Um, some schools, they have their own sort of strict regimen that they can only admit certain things into their, into their curriculum. And, um, and also the fact that some schools actually already have some similar programs anyway, and they didn't want to complicate the thing by taking on, 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 taking on another one. So, so yeah, so basically at the end of the day, we just kind of realized, okay, this is, it's not really commercially viable. So we had to, I kind of had to pull the plug on the project and uh, that happened last year. And uh, basically what we've done then is we, we, create, we just made the content free. So the app is still available there. If you can, you can uh, download the apps on Android, it's called Life Games. And uh, basically what you have then is uh, all these like about 300 um, games, basically for different age groups from, um, from five up to 12. So really good. We had really, really good response there from the teachers. It was really, it was good, good for a while, but we just got to a point where kind of the funding was gone and we realized that we were at a crossroads. It was to say, well, are we going to get more funding and going to go more promotion or are we just going to say, okay, enough is enough. And I don't know, I just, we had to make a, a call on it. It was a tough call. I have to decide that it wasn't going to be, it wasn't ethical, I suppose, to be fundraising more to something that basically had uh, had not proven itself really commercially viable at all. So just had to pull the plug on that and put a line under it, which is a pity, a pity, but uh, at least we know that the, the content is out there. The book is on Amazon as well. So um, yeah, that was, it was a good, it's a good project while it lasted. And ShareBay, um, yeah, is the, is basically like, it's, it's a sharing version of eBay, really. That's that's what we've done. It's um, it's still in development, or it's 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 in a prototype phase. You know, we have like two thousand members on it now already, and where people are basically sharing goods and services now on there. And it's really really exciting because I think that that's the possibly the the path that we should be taking to get to this moneyless world. It's because it's something that we can all do today. We don't have to discard the system that we have now. We don't have to do anything drastic. We can just basically get onto this and start promoting this different type of behavior. So rather than selling goods and services, we can say, okay, let's share goods and services 
on this on this portal. So what we're what we're trying to make is a, a marketplace website like Amazon, like eBay, like Alibaba, like like all these sites. But everything is free and is offered by the members on there. So yeah, you can kind of call it like a a library, I suppose, a library of good free goods and services. So yeah, I'm super excited about that project because, like I say, I think it's something that can happen in tandem with all our existing other efforts and building that building that new set of individual priorities, which I think is what we really need to do. Yeah, great. Colin, I know you are a passionate musician. So I was just wondering, with all your projects going on and you're very active, how do you keep a balance in life between all your activities and and, sure. and in your life as a change maker yeah yes yeah well uh, good question yeah um and i've actually recently sort of been able to answer that question better because i i've gone back into sort of music professionally in the last few years so um i just i was living in spain for a while and uh, when i was living in spain i was um I was like a professional musician entertainer um, in the in the south of Spain, which was kind of like playing in crappy bars and uh, you know doing sing along songs and that sort of stuff, which was okay for a while. But it was it was good money, very good money, and uh, it's something I'm able to do quite easily. So uh, it was a great way of me to actually earn money doing something that was not that particularly interesting, but was something that I could do very easily and it only take me and with minimal hours and I basically spend the rest of my time then on these various change projects and it's actually during that time that the, I was able to work on the life games project mostly because uh, because I was only working at night time I was working maybe three or four hours a night and um, it just that, that was my that was my night job and then the day job was uh, doing things like life games and uh, uh, doing the application for that so yeah, I have. I've been fortunate, really, that I'm actually now in a position to be able to make a sort of a re reasonably comfortable living quite easily. Since I moved back to Ireland, I have a recording studio, commercial recording studio, and uh, I'm actually recording songs for songwriters now, um, professionally. So if somebody comes to me with a song that they want to record, that they've written or something like that, I can basically do all the production, the production, the music for them. And uh, it's good. It's good. And uh, I've been really busy um, with that in the last few months since I, since I came back or since I set up the studio, it's been really quite busy. And that's, that's, um, that's a job that's, it's much more rewarding. It's much more enjoyable than, than the, the playing in bars and stuff like that. Uh, because it's uh, you get to deal, I get to work with some really talented people, and um, get to be able to create something that's really good and they're, they're, they're very happy with. So, yeah, I, I suppose that's that's my that's my day job now, and um, I'm able to support myself with that. That's really important. Um, I found, of course, uh, over the years of activism, is that if you can't support yourself financially. If you can't uh, give yourself on a good economic footing, then you know everything is just is going to be wobbly and messy, and you're not going to be uh, be able to do a good job or focus on that, or uh, you're not going to be able to be comfortable in in your life enough to be able to you know to 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 create something really good. 
so yeah, economically wise, I'm luckily that I'm, I'm actually in a good situation now. So I have plenty of free time that I can dedicate to my other projects and stuff. Although I, having said that, I don't have as much time as I'd like, but uh, I get there now. But by, I've, I've really much, I've had to kind of rationalize what I'm doing because as you say, I have quite a lot of projects. So the life games thing has basically been stopped. Uh, Honor Pay, I haven't really done much development or hardly at all in that, or just apart from fixing occasional site errors. And um, so ShareBay, is, ShareBay and the F Day movie, those are my two number one projects now. These are the these are the the tops of the list, and what I'm working on mostly on, and everything else has to go by the wayside. The, the Free World Charter you mentioned, uh, I don't really promote that at all e either. And um, so it's just a uh, yeah. I mean yeah, because I don't have that many hours, I have to prioritize. Well, we're going to be wrapping this up here, Colin, pretty soon. We just so appreciate your time with us today. Completely inspire me. Uh, you really actually one of my personal heroes. You inspired me to do some writing myself. And I, I just so uh, appreciate the fact that you're so approachable and um, easy to, to contact and dialogue with. And so we just yeah. want to know how we can support you, your groups, or your projects. What can we do to, to support you, Colin? Well, the, the, the number one thing that anyone can do to support either me or the, the projects or the Moneyless World ideas is to, is to get on ShareBay and to use it because it's something we can all use. You know, there's, uh, there's, there's no reason not to use it. It's not like you, you, have to have, you have to be wealthy and have things to share with other people. We all have services that we can share. We can just, uh, you know, we can give advice to people. We can lend a friendly ear. We can... I don't know, we can help people move boxes if they need. This is, I don't know, this to me is, it's like, it's a test. It's a test for the sort of moneyless future that we all kind of want to see. I mean, are we prepared to, to put our money, well, put our no money where our mouth is and to actually start indulging in that kind of economy now? Because that's something, ShareBay is the, is the, um, is the prototype for that type of economy where we're all gifting goods and services freely among ourselves, freely among each other. That's really important. If we can't do that, even on a basic individual level now, then what are we talking about, you know? So that's, that's really my, would be my number one focus in terms of trying to um, bring this thing about. And if you, if you can help, that would be great. Yeah, what we need is much more engagement and, and um, the people using the share bay because at the end of the day, it's proving a point. If we can make it work on share bay, if we can have like millions of users on the on this one web service, which is basically people gifting goods and services freely all the time, then we are proving the point that it's, po it's possible. And at the moment, we don't have any proof. We have nothing to back up our claim that moneyless world is better, it's possible. We all think that, we all believe that, but we don't have anything tangible to say, well, this is it, this, here's, here's a proving that it works. We don't have that. So one of my uh, ideas of ShareBay is to say, well, look, let's try and create this prototype community. You know, we don't have to build a big, great big city. We don't have to create an intentional community and all move there because that kind of doesn't prove anything anyway. And they, those things are always fraught with, with problems, but we can create this enormous online community of sharing goods and services because at the end of the day that's what we're talking about you know we want to talk money moneyless world it's not going to all this stuff 
that we were going to need for our lives. It's not going to come out of nowhere. No one's going to do it for us. We have to do it amongst our, ourselves. So, yeah, please, if anyone can, uh, if anyone wants to help, just get on board. Go into sharebay.org. We're go it's going for a total redesign in the, um, two weeks' time. It's going to be completely new design, rebranded. Like I'm not promoting it much now, but when it's when it's rebranded, it's going to be promoted a lot. And uh, but it's still there. It's working there now. Anyone is using it, and people are using it, and uh, a lot, lot more people could use it. Helen, one of the visions we have for Future Now Radio is to have ongoing, regular shows, um, highlighting and showcasing various different change-making progress projects on on our broadcast. And I'm just kind of I can visualize an ongoing share bay program on our radio where people come in and talk about what they what they shared and what they got from it and who they met as a result from that and I could just kind of see that running on its own so what do you think about having a regular weekly broadcast on the share bay or on any of your projects I think it's a fantastic idea I don't think there's enough enough activity on the site to warrant a weekly broadcast but, um, I would say monthly yeah absolutely monthly and mm -hmm. um, we're going to be doing a sort of a campaign to try and get the share bay up to 10,000 listings by next March. That's a campaign I'm going to be launching in the next couple of weeks. So uh, we want to try and focus people on getting the inventory up because as I've kind of realized that a share bay, like any marketplace site like Amazon or eBay, is only as good as what's on it. You know, it doesn't matter who's on it or it doesn't matter how lovely the website looks. It's only, it's only as good as what's available there. So uh, we're going to do a sort of a campaign to have 10,000 listings on, uh, on the site by March. So um, we'll talk about that again some other stage. But uh, at the moment, we have like 600 listings or something like that on the site, which is nice, but it's very small. And the point being that the more inventory we have on there, the more attractive it is to people. The more people will use it, the more success stories will come from it. So it's like um, I, we have to envision ShareBay as this something that's going to be very, very hard to get moving. But once it's moving, then it's going to take on a life of its own. But that's to get up to that, that first 10,000 listings. That's just kind of like an arbitrary milestone that I think is probably where interesting things can start happening. And I think before we get to that point, it's a, it's a process of... Um, building confidence in that type, in that platform and in that way of doing things, and the more the more people uh, listings on it, the greater the diversity of the inventory and the more the more engagement it can have. You know, so that's what that's why we're focusing really on inventory, getting the inventory up. Well, that sounds like a really good project for the radio station to help you run a campaign. I, would, is, yeah. I can see that being really fun. I'm not sure exactly what that looks like right now, but you yeah. know, I can see us running a drive or something and, and really connect the two. <laughs> that would be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, we can do a sort of um, a, a status counter or something like that to see where, 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 what we're after this stage. Yeah, it's like uh, in England, they have a, what do they call it? One of these things for raising money for children's charities, you know, where they have like a 24 hours of TV uh, celebrities and they marathon. have like a, a yeah, a, a telethon, telethon, that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> we could do a run a, a butcher now telethon, yeah. <laughs> That'd be wonderful. 
Okay, well, again, we do appreciate your time today. Uh, Robert, do you have anything else to wrap up with? Yes, I, I love the fun question at the, the end. So I want to ask Colin another fun question. Uh, spoken or speaking from your musical heart, Colin, what or which song would be your anthem? Your <laughs> My personal anthem. Probably a song that no one's, not, not many people would have heard of. In terms of my, my thinking today, moneyless thinking, I don't think there's any, there isn't really any good one that supports that view. A couple of years ago, we did um, a Eurovision entry, actually. I don't know if, uh, if, you, if you knew about that one, yeah, Ananda. I remember. I don't know if, maybe Ananda doesn't know, but we had, um, we'd, we got a bunch of us made a, a, an entry for the Eurovision contest, and it was called A Day of Love. And uh, you can look that up on YouTube. It's called The Earth Singer's Day of Love. Yeah, that's, that was in. We did it. We did okay. We, got, we entered it in loads of countries, but we didn't manage to get selected for the contest, unfortunately. But that was a good song. I thought that was, it was kind of, it encapsulated the ideas quite well. But in terms of my own personal music tastes, I mean, I'm, uh, I've always been like a, a 70s prog rock fan. You know, I've always been into ELP and Yes and King Crimson. Yeah, the, the other, uh, like, all these weird bands like Greenslade or PFM that most people probably never even heard of. The PFM were this fantastic Italian prog rock band. They were absolutely awesome, those guys. Uh, of course, the Beatles. I mean, couldn't they? I love the Beatles. I love 70s music, generally. In terms of my, my favorite song of all time, gosh. Uh, it's not a nice I, question, isn't it? It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> It's a tough one. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, I love uh, I love Close to the Edge by Yes. You know, that was a great song. It was one of the, from one of their concept albums. It was a all eighteen minutes of it <laughs> back in the day, and mm -hmm. um, that's that was a fantastic song. Well, I had a really favourite uh, band called UK. Right, it's a it's a bit disappointing for people because no one's probably ever heard of these bands. But there was a band called UK in nineteen seventy seven, uh, who had the drummer from Yes, and they were they were fantastic as well, like jazz rock. Outfish, yeah. But in terms of what would I, what would I love to blast out on the stereo? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, it's I'm always, I'm always a soft spot for the Beatles. I am the Walrus, great song, love that. Or Strawberry Fields, or um, I don't know, Penny Lane, or I don't know, any of those things. Yeah. Seventies yeah. music, give me like a funky seventies vibe too. Absolutely, I love it. So, average white band, all these guys. Are, Focus. Focus, of course. I love Focus as well. Yeah, these guys from ah, uh, the Dutch guys. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Just Van Leer yeah. and Jan Ackerman. They were, they were an awesome band. Yeah, Sylvia. Do you, do you remember the song Sylvia by Focus? Yeah, yeah. That, that's that, a that, great that, one. Yeah. That would be really, really high up there. I love that, love that tune. Yeah, but other than that, yeah. okay. So, so let's just pick the Earth Singers then for now. <laughs> a day of love. That that would be good enough. Great. Thanks so much, Colin Turner, talking to you. Thanks a million, guys. And listen, really, really best of luck with Future Now Radio. Let me, hit me up if there's anything I can do. Um, obviously, I, will, I can share this uh, podcast or whatever onto my mailing list and on social network. No problem at all. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. And I love the, I love the, that, the fact that you're doing this so needed right now. So thanks for that. We'll see you at the telethon. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure, may telethon it is. Yeah. See you guys there. <laughs> okay. Thanks again, Colin Turner. Bye -bye. <laughs> bye. bye. We are standing at the crossroads of planetary fate. 
Where the power of humanity Has never been so great What with all this might and power Comes responsibility We alone are the keepers First we must be free On this day we will be free From the lines dividing you and me In a universal day of love Soon we will be free Soon we will be Yeah.